Steam locomotives were some of the most powerful machines ever built. They pulled trains that fueled our imagination. They represented vision, collaboration, ingenuity, customer service, and extraordinary human achievement. But in order to get to their destination, it took someone guiding them through a series of switches in order to get to the main line. Just like leaders today, it takes someone directing them down the right path in order to get to their destination. Welcome to Mainline Executive Coaching ACT, which stands for and Cultural Transformation, hosted by Master Certified Intelligent Leadership Executive Coaches, Michael Bailey and Rich Barron. With over 50 years of successful cultural transformation and quantum leadership development between them. Once again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's show. Okay, we're good. All right, law number 36, John Matone's law number 36, the comfort zone is a kind of disease. This is Rich and Michael with Mainline Executive Coaching, ACT, ACT Act. Leaders, got to put it together, got to put it into action, we got to do stuff. ACT is also an acronym for and cultural train, training or transformation. That's what we're doing here. So there's this interesting connection here, folks, uh, that are watching between leadership and culture. And the two of them work together in a very positive, systematic, symbiotic way If it's when it's at its best. And when it's not so good, it's not so good. Could we just say that? All right. So that's what we do here. We do executive coaching. Today, we have Ronnie Shoemaker. Great to have you here today, Ronnie. We're excited to have you. Have you... Uh, Share with us your input, your wisdom. Give us your 60-second uh, elevator speech. Introduce yourself to everybody here. Well, sure. Thanks, Michael. And thanks to you and Rich for both for inviting me to, to join the podca podcast this afternoon. Uh, I'm talking to you from Dayton, Ohio, the great Midwest. Uh, I have 40 years in leadership. I started uh, leader and managing back in my college days in North Carolina. The last 20 years, I've been involved in healthcare leadership and operations. So I've worked with a number of uh, leaders, both in the hospital and the ambulatory setting, physicians, uh, PhDs, and a lot of different leaders with high education. And that's been my last 20 years. I, in the last year plus, I've taken off to be an executive coach on my own, working specifically in my sweet spot, which is healthcare and in nonprofits. All right. That's Dan. You got Excellent. a lot of good stuff to land on the table here for us. Thank you. Appreciate it a whole lot. So today, this comfort zone idea, the uncomfortable comfort zone, we've talked a little bit about this on other podcasts. I kind of think of the comfort zone as more like, uh, why do you do what you do? Well, because it's familiar. This It's mm -hmm. kind of this familiar zone. So that's what you do, what you do, because it's familiar. Why don't you do something else? Well, it's not familiar. Well, why do you do things that are actually hurtful to you or they hold you back? Well, they're just familiar. Why right. won't you do something that's more beneficial, that would be more helpful to you. Well, those things aren't familiar. We got to get trapped in this whole kind of a thing of uh, the uncomfortable comfort zone. Rich, I know you've talked about uh, this idea of if it's not broken, break it. Give us some more background on that, your experience on that and how we can apply this to getting out of the comfort zone. You know, I, I had a great supervisor I worked with for a lot of years. And he had some great advice for me. Some of the best advice I think I've ever been given as far as uh, it, it living in your comfort zone and how, you know, it's it's a disease. You know, being in a comfort zone, honestly, is a career crusher. It really is. It can crush 
you know, your career, culture, uh, productivity, name it, is just a bad place to live. And so his advice to me was, a, a lot of us look at it, uh, if it's not broke, you know, don't fix, don't worry about it. You know, if it's not broken, leave it. Don't, don't try to fix it. Just leave it like it is. Uh, but his advice to me that if it's not broken, break it and learn how to fix it. And that doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, physically break something, but have a backup plan, have a contingency plan, have something in place in case things go bad. You can get out of that, you know, that zone if you're in that zone and be able to immediately fix something or jump onto the next stage. Um, I, I got to tell you that that comfort zone is is a bad place to be. And all of us get in there once in a while. We really do. So, you know, having that backup plan and it's really take that back one step further. Uh, don't get don't let yourself get there anyway. Keep pushing yourself out of that comfort zone. And that's a, I think we're going to talk a lot about that. But that's a difficult thing to do. It's not easy. You know, you guys are both really into baseball. And one of the things that we know about great baseball players or, or any kind of athlete is they have a lot of agility, their ability to move, their ability to shift, you know, to go after that ball or to run that base or to whatever it is they have to do. They have a lot of agility. And um, this idea of agility, I wanna, I'm going to turn this over to Ronnie here in just a moment, is that ability with leaders of how quick can you move? How quickly can you shift? And um, if you don't have that agility, if you're stuck in your comfort zone, you're kind of frozen up. Your, your muscles are stiff. You know, you just can't move. So, Ronnie, you, you sh you've got some points here about some people may not even recognize that they are stuck in a comfort zone. They may not even recognize it. What are these points that John talks about here about how could you self-diagnose or start noticing that you are stuck in the comfort zone? Yeah, yeah. And that's a great point. We use the word pivot. So uh, needless to say, over the last 15 months, many leaders have pivoted. And in any sports, you've got to pivot. And baseball, our love is, is you got to pivot based on where the ball is thrown, where the ball is hit. So, so in true leadership, we have to be prepared to pivot. Uh, recognition of such, a lot of times we fall back into that comfort zone. Everything is good. The bottom line is good. Everybody's showing up for work. All the, all the carrying potlucks are fun. And, and, and every, the board's happy, but but we're not looking we're not looking to go to the next level. And Rich just talked about if it's not if it's not broken to break it. Leaders need to be willing to to break the glass ceiling. So when we get into our comfort zone, we get enveloped with 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 our normal, with our with our comfort, with our what we're used to doing, and we stop looking at the next level. Leaders need to look a way to break that glass ceiling, to move above and beyond where we're currently sitting. Uh, and, and, and therefore, we've got to be willing to be uncomfortable. Who wants to be uncomfortable? We've talked about that. It's no fun being uncomfortable. It's like, let's just go to work and come home. But being uncomfortable as a leader is important in order to take us to the next level. Yeah. Uh, exploring our inner core, working on it, exploring it, uh, being able to reach out to people. And I'll just close this thought with, we've got to be able to think different and think big. And we've talked about this on your podcast before. And, and in order to break that glass ceiling, we've got to, as leaders, continue to think differently and think big in order to get away from our comfort zone. And I think, thank you, Ryan, that's great stuff. I think one of the things that leaders have to do to be really honest with themselves, and, I, and those of you who are leaders in organizations or leaders that are aspiring to you know, move up that ladder or want to become leaders, 
let's just, I'm going to cover some points and then let, like you two to go back and talk about it. So I'm going to cover these. If you honestly, again, it's, it's an issue of honesty. If you feel unsure and inadequate, that's telling you you're stuck in your comfort zone. Both of these gentlemen talked about growing, you know, developing. If you also are lacking in authenticity, if you feel like you got to fake it, you know, you got to put on the pose. You're hoping that nobody's going to catch you in your, in your put on what it is that you're doing. Also fear, fearful of the potential out, uh, outcome of change, just the fear of change. You're, if you fear that, that tells you it's stuck in the comfort zone. Unwilling to take a chance. And then certainly a sense of, I feel like people are going to find out I'm incompetent. Yep. What, 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 what are your response to those five points? Let's start with you, Ronnie, and then go back to Rich. Fear, fear, the last point you made, fear of taking a chance or fear of being found out you're not as competent as you want people to think. That is a huge driving factor, and it will either drive a leader into more incompetence or more of a of a, of a, of a quiet place, alone, stay away, because if you don't know me well, you don't know how incompetent I am. Yeah. Or hopefully fear will be a driving force to move you forward to move you in, into asking questions, working with your staff, breaking that glass ceiling. Uh, it can be a positive or a negative. If fear is a driving factor one way or the other in just about any leadership role I've been in or any leaders that I've coached. Excellent. Thank you, Ryan. Rich, what are your, what's your take on that? You know, I, I think these five points, you know, when, when we look at our past, you know, failures, hurts, setbacks, betrayals, that creates doubt. Mm-hmm. Doubt in ourselves, doubt in our process, doubt that we can get out of that. And so it's easy. Let's get this comfort zone and I'm just going to relax. And, you know, I don't have to worry about all these other things going on around me. You know, the whole thing is it's like a resume. I've heard a resume um, referred to as an obituary of your jobs. And really it is. It's 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 we're going back and, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that happened to us in our, our past lives that. But all those things are, are what got us to where we are now. And so if you, you're going to dwell on that, well, you know, this guy said this about this you know, to me and, you know, that really sucked and that wrecked my ear. But here's the, here's the deal is those doubts are going to create that comfort zone. And it's so easy just to stay there because I don't have to face those fears. I don't have to face those concerns. You know, I don't have to go out of my office and face everybody type thing. So, yeah. yeah. You know, Rich, you, you talk about your resume being an OBIT. An OBIT. Uh, too quick. So, one, a resume is what gets you hired. Yep. But it doesn't get you promoted. Nope. And, and I go back I go back 35 years ago working uh, working with a team and a lady did not a lady did not get promoted and she was highly upset. And I asked her why. And she said, I've been here 17 years. And I said, so you're basing your 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 right to be promoted based on your longevity, not necessarily on the work you perform. She said, well, I, I do. OK, but I've been here 17 years. I should have got my promotion. Uh, that's, again, the, the 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 entitlement factor, which we talked about before. But you've got to continue to work forward and address the fears and move forward and not just feel like you are entitled or you can hide away from your responsibilities. Right. So exactly. we're seeing the problem here and people are out there watching this are asking, okay, got it. What? So now what? Give us an example of how either of you, uh, we'll start with Rich, maybe some of you've worked with or, or Ronnie, when you take a shot at this, how have you helped somebody move out of their comfort zone, transition 
out of the comfort zone, which is this kind of disease, into a healthier lifestyle, a healthier professional track to uh, move ahead in their, in, their, in, their, in, their, in their work, in their development of their career. You know, I think developing a rapport with them first. You gotta, you know, have a good rapport with them. So, in order to have those hard conversations with somebody, you know, having a good rapport and trust is 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 very important. I think you've got to be able to trust that person, and they have to be able to trust you that when you're telling them, you know, having those hard conversations and trying to point them in a certain direction, they're gonna listen to what you say. They're going to you know, believe that you have a genuine interest in them getting onto that next level. Um, and not only that, I think by example, by example, you've got to be there. You've got to be outside that comfort zone and, and working on those standards and expectations and everything else for them to be able to see I can do this as well. So I, I think, you know, and Ronnie can definitely, you know, tell you more. I think there's there's so much to that that question. It, it, the, the key word in coaching and being a, a good coach, a great coach, and then being a successful coach is vulnerability. I mean, that's a key word. And, and Rich, you talk about it. If we're talking to a, a, a leader, an executive, and trying to get them out of their comfort zone, first of all, they've got to be vulnerable to accept the fact that I'm in a comfort zone and I don't want to be here. If they're not willing to be vulnerable, we're wasting our time and their money working with them. So the vulnerability, not just with the client, but as we as coaches, I mean, we need to be able to share our failures as leaders, what we've learned from it. And then we need to be able to take our experience as leaders and help direct them or walk them through that next level, whether it's getting more education and training, whether it's asking for a coach, whether it's asking for input from their circle of influence or their stakeholders. Again, we've got to convince the, 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 the leaders have to be convinced that they need to be vulnerable and they're willing to share and, and open up. Without that vulnerability, it, it's not going to be successful. So vulnerability is one of these things that's really an interesting term that's in our, in our culture and our lexicon these days. And what it is, what we talked about these points, these five points where somebody's coming from a position of a lot of insecurity, a lot of lack of confidence, they're already covering up. They're already working really, really hard. So people aren't seeing them. They're not very vulnerable. They're coming out of that whole entitlement situation. One of the things that we as coaches do, let's just be very honest, is, and you're talking about relationship here, Rich, is being able to accept that person without judgment, without being critical as to where they are. I mean, right. that's that's a big deal. We're not here to judge you. We're not here to assess you in terms of good, bad, you are this, that kind of stuff. That's not any of it. I, I'm going to share this one experience with a client I had delightful woman, funny, uh, charming, exuberant, just, just, you know, in her office, everybody loved her. She was just a wonderful, wonderful person, uh, a great producer, what it is that she did. Problem, she had an addiction. And that addiction really hurt her. It affected her deeply. It affected her family. Just this, this, this thing that she just could not shake. And she felt bad about it. She tried to get rid of it again and again and again and again. It just kept coming back and sneaking back into her life. And so one of the things that we did to help her in this whole process was let's build your core. Let's build your inner core. Let's find out who you really are, not, not who you think you are, or who you are afraid that you are. What are your real values? What are your principles? How do you really work? Let's give you that. I remember years ago, my wife and I were doing some missionary work in our inner city. And we worked with a lot of people with addictions and medical, Ill, uh, medical, mental illness and on and on and on. 
And one of the things that we learned that helped people in terms of being able to turn away from their addictions were seven, seven. What are the seven reasons that you have not to take the drugs? What are your seven values? And they would teach them and they get these, these young people or older people sometimes, what are they? Let's get them out. Let's put them down. Let's get, rehearse them again and again and again. So they're just automatic. So that when you're approached, because sometimes they go looking for them, but now we can stop them to do that. But then sometimes they just, they find them. The drugs just find them. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're confronted with them. So if they could just run through those seven reasons really quickly, and then that moment, if you want something, boom, they would walk away. The same thing here is true for all of us. We all have our addictions, our idiosyncrasies, or our habits, or comfort zone stuff that we do. However, one of the things that coaches are really good at is helping you to get to the real, the real of how you really work, how you really think, what really motivates you. Because if you've got some sort of addiction problem, you just can't walk away from it because that's your comfort. That's, that's the reason why it's called Southern Comfort. So you got to have something better to walk away from your comfort because this is this is the false. This is the counterfeit to the real to what really is what you are all about. What do you think of that? How what about this notion of helping our clients develop that inner core? What do you think about that, uh, Ronnie? Yeah, I've not been I'm, I'm not really experienced working with a client that has a narcotic or alcohol addiction. But I have worked with clients and probably been guilty myself of being addicted to work. You know, we, you've, you've heard the story about the, the, the people as, as on their deathbed. They never say, gee, I wished I spent more time at work. They usually say, I wish I spent more time with my family. Uh, so as a coach, I think we've got to we've got to build the confidence, re- help rebuild the self-confidence in that in that leader that is addicted, that you can do this based on your inner core. And we're here to help you. We're here to help you walk, walk with you hip to hip, help you through a, a development plan that we help you develop to get through that, that addiction to work or whatever the stumbling blocks you've got in front of you and allow us to walk with you side by side to take you through uh, that development plan to get you on the other side. That's very good. Thank you. Rich, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I think when we talk about the inner core versus the outer core, um, you know, really getting someone to take a deep look inside to see what makes them tick, see what drives that outer core, those, you know, the communication skills, the team building skills, the critical thinking skills, all those things that we see on the outside that are driven by who we are on the inside. Yeah. Um, and helping someone to really truly understand that. And that's that's not an easy thing to look at. That's going back to that vulnerability decision. But I, I think as as coaches and and correct me if i'm wrong but there's a passion to help people succeed mm-hmm. and it's not because it's just something we decide in our lives we want to be a coach right now it's something that, that we have a passion to see people get to the same levels of success and enjoy the same passions about work and life that we have now you know we've been through a lot of all of us have been through a lot of you know, things in our life uh, whether it be, you know, in career, personal, whatever, but it's taking those, uh, those things that we have learned and helping someone to get on uh, and take the, the strengths and the abilities and address those gaps that people have from the inner core to the outer core to, to move on. And let me just interrupt you here because you've got a great thing going on here. 
Did you do that alone? See, I, I don't want anybody to think that we did it alone. We got help. We've had help all along the way in our careers with mentors and coaches and people that have just put their arms around and said, let me help you here. Let me show you this. Let me help you see this. That, that when Nobody does it alone. Zig Ziglar talked about it. nobody does it alone. Nobody stands on their own. Everybody's standing on somebody else's shoulders, right? And, right. and, and the reason it doesn't work when you try to do it by yourself is you're using your habits, your knowledge, your view of where you're at to try to get you out of there. And, and, and it's hard. To, you fall back into your habits. You fall back into the comfort zone. So you need somebody, whether it's a mentor, like you said, Michael, we've all had our mentors, a mentor, a best friend, somebody to say, hey, let's look at it a different way, because that's tough to do without some outside influence or input. Absolutely. Okay, and so that's good. That's excellent. So, what's the difference then? I'm going to risk this Richard's question. What's the difference between the mentor, the best friend, your dad, your mom, you know, whoever it might be that comes along that has been that very close person to help you, and an executive coach? I mean, those people are. are we're not saying get rid of those people. We're fact, if, any, no. if anything, we'd be saying get even closer to them. Get right. those those relationships even stronger because they'll help you be healthier. If they're good relationships, make them stronger. They'll be healthier as you go through the executive coaching. So what's different about this role of the executive coach coming into a leader's life? How's that going to change up the chemistry, the play? There is, there is a, a, a very big difference between mentoring and coaching. Sure. Mentoring is typically someone you know, someone in the same organization or your family or, or friends you've known for a long time that really – have a real distinct knowledge of what you're doing, okay? Whether it's baseball or or fishing or golfing or whatever, okay? So our family, my my mom is no nonsense. I she's she's passed away now, but she she had no problem telling me when I was goofing up. You know, she wasn't gonna sugarcoat that. And I I love her for that. And of course, my wife gives me all these honeydew lists and says, "Get out of the house and get busy." But that's that's a different thing altogether. The the point is is a coach comes in. And they may or may not have a specific knowledge of your your organization, but they know how to make you a leader. They know how to direct you to be a leader. And that's what executive leadership coaching is. We're not mentoring. We're not coming in and helping you solve a specific problem in your organization or a specific problem in your life that I've seen you over several years develop and you know i'm here as your buddy and want to want to fix that we're we're coming in to help you address those gaps to be a leader to to be a leader and i'll tell you what we've talked about this before executive coaching is not easy sometimes mentors can sugarcoat it they don't want to have those hard conversations not only with you you but maybe your supervisors or leaders where a coach can really on an outside basis can have those difficult conversations with not only you, but have be able to look at those things that are going on within the organization that say, perhaps a mentor doesn't want to recognize or doesn't want to go down that road with you. Um, there's and and coaching is typically a set timeline, where you know three, six, nine months a year is is what a typical executive coaching engagement is. It's not like what some people think, uh, you know, a three-day seminar was, you know, three or four PowerPoints and some donuts. And 
you know, a, a high five after, and that's it. That's not right. What we right. Do. right. All right. It's in, in mentoring. Well, that mentoring is if, if I'm mentoring somebody, I'm trying to take my skills and teach them my skills. And that's not what an executive coach does. I mean, mentoring, you're trying to, you're, you're almost like creating a mini me almost. I mean, you're using your life experiences to help them. Where coaching is, it's not about me, it's about the client and the business. And it's about me helping that client become a better leader, not making him Ronnie Jr., but making him a better leader who he is based on his inner core. So that's that's also the difference between coaching yeah. and mentoring. Yeah, intrinsically, who that person is. That's one of the great things that we have to offer people. There's this assessment that you can take that will help you see who are you fundamentally mm-hmm. as a leader. And there's nine different uh, leadership styles and it'll look at this is your fundamental and it'll look at how well you're doing. It'll look at how you're stressed, mm-hmm. and how you're being stressed out and it'll also help you uh, then develop a pathway to strengthen that way you are fundamentally as a leader and then move that out, develop other styles of leadership. It's actually a very exciting uh, assessment to take with, a, with a great opportunity to say, good grief. There it is. It's right there in black and white. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this up then. Um, Ronnie, if they want to get a hold of you, and there's every reason in the world why they should want to get a hold of you, my friend, Thank what you. does they do to do that? Yeah, the, the simplest way is go to my website, and that's ronnieshoemaker.com. Uh, it'll have my contact information there. It's, it's R-O-N-N-Y-S-H-U-M-A-K-E-R, spelled differently, but ronnieshoemaker.com will take you to my website. There'll be a link there where you can contact me uh, through email, and, and then I'll be able to reach out to you. There's also a link there if we talk about the assessment. You just talked about Michael will be able to do a free assessment, a free coaching session if that's what uh, what anybody would like to see. That's outstanding. That's it's really a great opportunity. Thank you, Rich. Wrap it up for us here. Once again, Ronnie, thank you very much. Um, and if you have any suggestions, something you want to see on a future podcast, Mainline Leaders ACT at gmail.com. That's Mainline Leaders Act at gmail.com richbaron.intelligentleadershipec.com. And once again, we hope to hear from you soon. Thank you very much and take care. Ronnie, thanks again. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. With all of the issues facing leaders and organizations today, you need executive coaching more than ever. Go to our websites, richbaronexecutivecoaching.com or michaelbailey.com. You can also find us both on LinkedIn. Reach out to us and let's sit down and find out just how bright your future can be with executive coaching. We'd also like to thank all of our supporters in over 60 countries and 600 cities worldwide who have helped to make us one of the top executive coaching podcasts in the world. From Rich Barron and Michael Bailey, this is Mainline Executive Coaching ACT. Thank you. And take care.